This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everyone, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Podcast. Good to have you here for the betterment and the good of the entire automotive aftermarket in the North American continent. She's the first time I've ever said that. It's amazing. We have listeners all, all over the world. And we're here to talk about internships. Now, please don't stop listening because, oh, Internship Karma talks about it a lot. I mean, we really have a unique and a very important show to talk to you about. We have Sue Dixon on, Jack Wilson, and Ken Maul. I'll tell you who, who they are in a minute. But the passion that comes from Sue Dixon on making sure our future has some great young talent in it because this technician shortage quote that we know we all have uh, is only going to be overcome by in investing in our young people and getting them an opportunity. Sue, I just saw an email that came by with, with an open house with all these great industries in it hanging on at high school and there wasn't an automotive person on the list. And, and so we were sending it back and forth saying, what happened to us? So if we can do anything in this podcast, and that is to show the proactivity that we need to have to reach out to young people. With me is Sue Dixon, owner of Kloss Tire and Auto, who invented this great program, created it called Give Me 10, and that 10 is all about hours of internship. Jack Wilson is with us, automotive service instructor and ASE master technician at Lake County Tech, Grayscale, Illinois. It's a center where all the high schools, you know, send their um, vocational CTE students to. Am I right, Jack? Yeah, that's correct. You've been doing it for 17 years. Glad to have you here. And Ken Mall is here, managing director of EDSI. Educational Data Systems, Inc. It's a national workforce development talent solutions company and consultant uh, company with a passion for helping great companies and communities train and retain great people. Wow, Ken. Glad to have your perspective here. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member side has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their businesses thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. Not a Napa Auto Care Center? Well, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how to join the Napa family. Sue was on with me over a year ago talking to me about this, and she picked up the phone and she says, hey, this thing is still alive. It is growing. It's getting bigger than ever. We've got so many schools in it. We've got grant money and tool things going on. And I says, we got to share it with the industry because there's a lot of people like Sue passionate in the industry about this. Give us an update, Sue. Well, we started uh, five years ago. It started all with going to an advisory meeting and meeting Jack Wilson and talking about internships and where are these students going? Uh, where are they getting work-based learning? We're not seeing any of that. How can that happen? It was part of a group 10, a bunch of independent shop owners, and we kind of pulled it all together and said, what does an internship look like? How does it partner with uh, the school systems? How can we make that work? And so... We started off five years ago. We had like five or six shops. We, I think we had five, six, maybe seven students. Um, now we are five years you know, later. We've serviced over 75 students. We were in 17, I think, different shops this year. And we've collected over $450,000 in grant money. So the effort is there. The collaboration with education is important. Anybody can do this. It starts real small by just asking your independent shop owners, would you give 10 to a student? 
And would that student be able to come in and work 10 hours at your shop? And we simplified everything to make it work within our busy day. And that's kind of the start of how this whole thing kind of pulls together. Until you get somebody dedicated, a dedicated teacher, uh, educator that believes in this, that believes in work-based learning, it's not going to work. So you've got to have, you know, a handful of good shops that are looking to, you know, grow their own employees from the bottom up. And, uh, you know, once we get that happening, then we add the workforce development in there. And I call that the dream team to have all three of us working together for the betterment of our industry. It starts with working with one of the schools and a few of the instructors that would be able to single out, and maybe I'm wrong here, some students that would have, uh, had the desire and the want to be in an intern program. Is that right? Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's exposing somebody to our daily you know, lives in this career path, right? And our career path is changing a lot. You know, we've got the onset of electric vehicles coming in. Um, We have a tech shortage. How do we fix that, right? So we ask everybody to, you know, kind of pitch in. We're not seeing that in our industry. So we decided to do it on our own and we're growing and we're hoping that we're just going to pick up some momentum where maybe somebody's going to, you know, come out there and say, okay, we're going to sponsor this and we're going to, we're going to make this work everywhere. But like I said, you need a dedicated instructor that believes in work-based learning. And I know work-based learning right now in education is changing. So look at Jack, you're here for a reason, and that is that we can pick your brain or you can, you know, share with our audience, assuming that we have technicians, service advisors, and shop owners listening, and many other people inside the industry. But okay, it would be neat if I could actually talk to a guy like Jack and say, Jack, tell me what I need to do as a as a shop owner to reach out to a person like you. When it comes to the education of students, I, I think some of the things that we forget along the way is that Students don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they have experienced. From my aspect, when the students come in, we look at the core curriculum and and what we're trying to pass on to the students and what we want them to understand, what we want them to know. We have a business and industry panel that we have meetings with and that help guide our curriculum and what we deliver to the students. Really, being a CTE school, these students are juniors and seniors in high school. The way that I look at our school is that we service an entire county. We actually service two counties, 19 high schools in Lake County of Illinois, and then three high schools in the county county of Illinois. So 22 high schools total, and we're kind of in the center of this county. If we work things correctly, we should be creating a pipeline from our building into all of the different industries that run in the county. Because all of these people, the majority of them are going to stick within the county or stick somewhat local or somewhat close. And we want to build this workforce for what the needs are in the county. So by partnering with all of your local independent shops, businesses, et cetera, whether it's automotive, whether it's culinary, whether it's construction skills management, you know, the whole Give Me 10 program. Sue and I uh, have worked on this tirelessly over the past five years in making it work for automotive, but the model works for all of CTE, all of all industries and all different angles. So a lot of the things that we talk about are automotive, but it's being applied. We're, we're spreading to a lot of different elements and angles of different industries. 
But regardless, you know, our goal is to create this seamless pipeline system from the school into the workplaces. So really, the Give Me 10 model is the bridge to take the student from the classroom into the workplace. It gets the student familiar with what the workplace is actually like. Things that are often forgotten, too, is that when the student goes in, some of these students haven't worked before. They haven't been in an actual repair shop in you know, a lot of us that have been in the business for 30, 40 years, you forget that. You forget what it was like to not know these things that we all take for granted for what people are supposed to know. So by coming in on this 10-hour model that we've put together, it gives the student the opportunity to try the business on for size, try the industry on for size, say, do I like this or do I not? It gives the shop the opportunity to try that student on for size, to look at their soft skills versus their hard skills. Can we refine this student into a future technician? Or do we need to look at it and say, hmm, yeah, you got ambition, you got drive, but we need to try to shift you over to a different part of the industry because perhaps working, you know, on the cars themselves, doing the repairs may not be, you know, the best fit for you. That's kind of the first piece of it. And then looking at how to fund the program being from the workforce and grants, uh, you know, some of your lower income students where we can take money that is county dollars, state dollars, federal dollars, and put that into paying these students by the hour, even post-graduation, and also assist them in college education. Because, of course, we know in our industry, it's getting more and more complex. We were setting the, the path for the student to follow, but they still need to continue their education into college. But the goal here is to take this model and for this model to essentially be simulated throughout the country. Sue and I had the opportunity to present our model at the ACTE conference in Las Vegas in December, which at ACTE is a national career and technical education association that was uh, attended by over 6,000 people. Sue and I had standing room only in our presentation and uh, presented on the model. We got a ton of feedback, a lot of positives. Uh, Her and I, again, are presenting this Friday another CTE group for Lake and McHenry County. People wanting to know, how are we doing it? What are we doing? Where are we going with it? This is definitely not new. The concept of internships, the concept of works-based learning, it's not a new concept, but I think it's overlooked. I think it's forgotten about. And the other piece that Sue and I have found is that it's a lot of fun to talk about. You know, you get a group of people together and they want to talk about work-based learning and how we can fix the industry and how we can build this next generation. But we're having a hard time is after all the hoorah-rah and after having a lot of fun talking, we walk away and we need people to, you know, put their nose to the grindstone and start doing the work, start getting the shops, start actually placing the students at the sites. I've been working on that this week. We're kicking off our spring internship program. We're hoping to place another 15, 20 students just within our program. Sue's been working tirelessly on trying to spread this into the collision repair program that we have here at Tech. I have a meeting with the collision repair instructor tomorrow to kind of walk him through what needs to happen to start getting students placed on the collision repair side. At the end of the day, it is work. It does take time, but we want to put together this grandiose model, right? This one-all fix to get technicians for this huge shortage that we have. 
And I've seen big companies that come up with these online training models and, oh, we're going to put together this training program and you can log on here and you can track your data here. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really work. That doesn't really give you what you need for the trained workforce. From what we're doing on our end, it is one student at a time. And that's really the solution. But if you have all the different education facilities, all of the different workforces, all the different businesses coming together, and everyone's dedicated to do it together, then one student at a time nationwide will fix the problem. By the way, what a great, passionate dissertation that you just made. (laughs) I learned so much and I wrote about eight questions that I want to ask you. Before we do that, Ken, I want to bring you in here and your role in making this happen. My role is kind of as an intermediary. I was actually introduced to Sue uh, by a friend of mine that runs the Lake County Workforce Development Board about almost a year ago, I think, maybe longer than a year ago. And the idea was, is that, you know, how could this concept grow beyond just Lake County, Illinois. Um, I'm based out of Detroit, Michigan. Um, So, you know, thinking about, you know, growing in other parts, my firm, uh, my company, Educational Data Systems, we're nationwide. Um, We are very engaged with the public workforce development system across the country. And what really drew me into, you know, wanting to help support, you know, this initiative, Sue, in this work was the simplicity of it, the the give me 10. You know, Jack talks about, you know, the workplace learning, right? That's very important. But getting employers engaged and actually wanting to do that is a heavy lift a lot of times for the employers, mostly because they don't know where to start. Young people just are scared about going into a job for the first time that they've never done it. You get a small shop owner that, you know, really, they just want to hire a skilled technician. They don't want to waste their time, you know, and I get it. They got a business to run. But at some point in time, you know, something's got to give. And what Sue and her team has put together is something that's really simple. It's give me 10, give me 10 hours. If it doesn't work after 10 hours, hey, everybody's learned from it. But if it does work, we're going to keep going from here. And then, you know, sharing that concept with other organizations similar to the Lake County Workforce Board in other states, what they're seeing from it is that simplicity to get employers engaged, right? Just keeps it simple. And as Jack has said, it's not easy either. After that, there's a lot of work that has to go into it. But, you know, from my perspective, it's really keeping it simple, keeping the workforce agencies, the schools that want to help participate, keep it simple for them and keep it simple for the employers. So so they can they can really participate and get something from it. I think the opportunity is there. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to jump on this. Are you a repair shop owner? Do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future and competition. Are you spending too much time managing chaos and struggling with new employees? Do you lack time to invest in learning best practices or there's no time to spend on effective marketing? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be, when to grow, and when to shrink? If any of those situations describe where you are today, well, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops all over the nation run more profitable automotive repair shops, and they help by utilizing proven business best practices, marketing, and coaching to leverage Napa programs to drive quality, car count, sales, and profits. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, measure and manage labor, 
and how you can create net profit. Team up with the coaches to create systems, operations, and procedures using a business flowchart to help you reach your goals. RSOT will help measure and manage the results to help each business succeed. Now, best of all, it's not do-it-yourself. It's all done for you. Their goal is to help service professionals do what they do best, fix cars and build relationships at the counter and in the community. RSOT will take the other minutiae off your plate. The Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow. RSOT can teach you how to make your shop profitable, and they can teach you how to recruit and how to make more labor dollars for your shop. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? We'll call 440-545-1230. That's 440-545-1230 for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Sue, Jack, Ken, I heard so much come out of what you've all just said. One of them was $450,000. And so the next thing in my mind was follow the money. What does that and what could that possibly have to do with us, this being successful? I also heard initiate, Jack. You, I got to go out and talk to people, but shouldn't we as in the industry be talking to you? And who's going to sit back and say, should I initiate or shouldn't I initiate? And I think one of the biggest parts of an initiative like this, and Sue, I, it had to be you saying, listen, I'm going to be as proactive as I can. I'm going to talk to my fellow shop owners. I am going to talk to the educators. You didn't wait for the educators to say one day, knock, 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 hello. I, I think we need to do something with the businesses in the marketplace. I think they all know that they have to. I think CTE is on the rise again. I think they're all going to be upset that they took their bays away years ago. They have to look at the skill. This is a, an incredible skill trade of the future. Who initiates, Sue? I think industry needs to initiate and pony up and, and, and look at this and say, we've got to participate and start making a plan, right? There is no plan on how we are as an industry going to fix the tech shortage, right? We've got all these EV vehicles coming in. We need to relook at the way people view our industry. They they think it's a dirty industry. They they don't see any value in it. I think, you know, the average person looks at, um, you know, getting your fi car fixed as a dirty job. So how do we change that? Because the look of a shop in five years is going to be, it's going to look a lot different. You're going to have to be a you know, basically an engineer to work on a car because there's sensors on everything. Everything is computerized. So how do we bring that to the forefront? And Jack and I talk about that and we do things to make that change. We have a raffle car that we um, have the kids rebuild and, and it's basically to bring awareness to our industry and the different things that are happening, bring conversation I think that's one of the things, partner with your local school. My life changed when I walked in that door for that advisory meeting. I saw the the need for us as independent shop owners to go to the school and support the school. I see that the school needs support. So, I mean, this is, that's your first step, right? If you can have a nice relationship with that, then we can introduce uh, workforce boards because I don't think people understand what a workforce board does. It's community driven. So there's a lot of different conversations I think that we need to revisit as an industry. Let's try to cover, Jack. Is it that you need to reach out? Are you looking for shop owners to come in? One other thing, you talked about an hourly rate. 
Was that part of the grant money that helped with that? What about insurance for the, the, the individual intern at the shop? And I know that if I approach a school, they must have this already in hand, ready to go. It doesn't matter, I guess, if they send someone out to beautician school to intern at a at a salon. There needs to be some kind of transportation, maybe pay, maybe insurance coverage. Can we get there? Yeah, it depends at what level that they're at. So to back up a couple of notches, uh, so when it comes to initiating, Sue and I have had this conversation and we both experience it. I can't do this without her and she can't do this without me. It's the chicken or the egg, whichever comes first, it really doesn't make a difference, but both parties, the industry side and the education side have to be ready and they have to be willing to take on the work. You know, you have, like we said, let's have a warm, fuzzy conversation about how fun this is going to be. But at the end of the day, both sides, things have to move and things have to take place. Sue and I have our weekly discussions and at the end of it, we kind of reiterate to each other the things that we need from each other for the following week. We both understand that she handles the industry side of things. I handle the education side of things. And really, so if you're on the industry side of things, you need to find someone on the education side of things to that you can work together with. If you're on the education side of things, you need to find the person on the industry side of things that can make that work. So you know, if you're in Sue's seat, you got to find me. If you're in my seat, you got to find Sue. That's just the way it's got to work because, you know, you can't do the other person's role. Jack, are you the coordinator of the CTE program at the school or are you an instructor? I'm an instructor. Okay. So is there a coordinator that would want to be in that role with Sue? Yeah. So we do have a college career endorsement coordinator here at the Tech Campus. She's got a few different roles. Uh, It has to do with uh, endorsement on the diploma. So they're starting to look at, like, think of how at the college level, when you get your degree, you have your major and your minor. So in the state of Illinois, they're starting to look at putting an endorsement on the high school diploma. And part of that endorsement means that that student has to do 60 hours of internship hours throughout their high school career. And there's other pieces to it. So she's dealing, she's working a lot with that. But to be honest, when she came in, Sue and I already kind of had this whole ball rolling on the internship side of things. So she has taken what we have done and she's built, she's kind of taken that to another level to, you know, kind of broaden it, something that applies for the whole school. So be aware if you're a shop owner who's going to reach out to the CTE school in your market and you approach a instructor, knock on the door, get cleared, go in, go into one of the automotive classes, shake hands with the instructor. He may or she may just say, listen, you got to talk to someone kind of, if you will, coordinates the whole thing. But don't accept the fact that you're going to wait to get an email, find out the name. I mean, the proactivity of this, don't worry about going through all the chairs of responsibility. I worry that an instructor may not move this upstairs. Well, you got to find the right instructor. You got to find the right person because, and I know Sue's run into that. We've seen that with different schools and different organizations. I know pretty quickly when you find someone that really is invested in what you're doing versus someone that, oh yeah, it sounds fun and and we'll see what we can do. So it depends on, so to move along with the conversation, the questions that you would ask, Carm, insurance, we have 
had internships part of our building since it's been opened in the 70s. So again, internships aren't new, but I think we're putting a new spin on it and we're really drawing some really close highlights and attention to it. Our school has uh, paperwork that the student fills out, the site sh- that the site fills out, the homeschool fills out. And essentially what it does is it puts an umbrella of protection over the site where the student goes. It's no different than a field trip. So when the student's there, uh, they're covered by the school's insurance, whether they're over 18 or under 18. It's no different than the student being on a, on a field trip, right? They're not there performing repairs on their own. They're being guided, taught, uh, shown by a seasoned technician. So we have that part of it covered. As far as funding is concerned, it really depends what we have going at the time. Sue and I have got a couple of summer internships for students. There was four in the summer of 21 and then four in the summer of 22, where each student got 180 hours paid internship. They also got $500 in supportive services. We were able to funnel that $500 in supportive services to put tools in all the kids' hands. Would a shop owner just want to pay that themselves? They could if they want to. And so this is where the grant money has come from, right? That's part of the grant money. The other grant money, you know, and this deals with more on that initial grant I'm talking about was for more from a nonprofit. But the other grant money that we're talking about is more in Ken Mall's direction working with Lake County Workforce. And that all oftentimes has to do with lower income families when there is some kind of need. And we currently still have from last year, three students uh, running on now what started off as a six month full-time paid internship now rolled into a year full-time paid internship. And those students are getting their college at the local community college paid for hundred percent. And that's all funds coming from our county workforce. And that would be you, Ken. I provide consulting services to a lot of county workforces on programmatic things like this. Typically, when you have a program like this, and, and, and Carm, you really kind of alluded to it all, is you need really these three, three components to it, right? You need, you need industry and those employers um, really to be engaged in this. Um, you need the education system to be able to help develop those skills. And then you need, you know, there's a social service safety net that can help provide some funding to help make this all a reality. Depending on what part of the country and what county you're in, that funding could be different, right? Some of it will pay directly for the education. Um, As Jack has said, some of it can actually pay part of the wages uh, for those students um, as they're in the internship. You know, sometimes you can get tools, there's transportation, there's all kinds of things. So really identifying locally, you know, through those local workforce boards, you know, where, you know, where there are, what their goals are and what funding's available from them will help determine what you do to approach how you run a program like this. And, and again, it's back to the simplicity of what Give Me 10 does, right? So, you know, when you talk to a youth program manager that, that is running program for youth, they just want to help kids. And when you say, hey, listen, this is what it's all about. You know, Sue has a great way to explain it, to keep it simple. And they're like, of course, why wouldn't I want to do this? So the next step is you've got a youth coordinator that can help get kids engaged in some funding. Find the local shop owners that want to do this. Explain it to them and then get everybody in the room and just make it happen. I know I'm oversimplifying it. There's a lot more that goes into it, but it really is. They're keeping it simple and, and making it work is the way to get started. 
Remember I said a few moments ago about follow the money? (laughs) (laughs) Sue, Jack, and Ken, I just can't get this out of my mind. $450,000, when you think of the number of students and participating schools, it's it's almost a lot of money for so little right now. But, you know, I I keep thinking of non-for-profits, which is the agency. I mean, how does the money house? How do you get it? And I don't want that to have to be a stopper for anybody who's listening. Well, I can't do this. Uh, Forget it. It's too complicated. How do I start this? So, you know, the reality is, is there paperwork to fill out? Yes, there's paperwork to fill out. Do employers or nonprofits have to take a little bit of time to do this? Absolutely. But is it doable? Yes, it's absolutely doable. You know, I know Sue learned how to do this. I mean, she's a shop owner. She learned how to do this, right? So it can be done. And, and honestly, every organization we've worked with to help make this happen, once you do it once, it's like, wow, now I know how to do it. It makes it so much easier now that you know how to do it. And then the best part is once you've done it once, you've created a relationship with whatever that funding source is. And at the end of the day, you've produced an outcome that everybody wants, which is a student that is getting training in an industry that they want to stay in. That's the outcome everybody's looking for. Once you do that once, it's always going to be there for you. So there's value in listening to this, learning what each of your roles are, how it all worked. And if that's the case, then we email Sue and say, Sue, we need a Ken in my town, in this town, and in that town to help us drive the program. And Ken, the part of the program you drive is the money side? I put people together. I'm an intermediary. So what I would do for you, Carm, is I would introduce you to the person in Buffalo that will help make that connection. Um, I did that with Sue and her team in, in Detroit, Michigan. So now there's that connection when they're ready to get going. My job is done. And is that about finding the grant money? I connect you with the people that have the grant money. That's what I do. I see. And Sue, when that money is founded and comes in, where is it housed? It goes right to the student. I'm not actually holding that money. That All that money we got went right to the student itself. So it's a definite win-win. And you have to think about it this way. What if you didn't get the grant money? You gained an employee. We're opening the door for you to grow your own employee. So step one is, you know, growing your own employee, get, getting somebody in your door. Step two, you know, can we get some workforce dollars? Can we get this student on a career path? And right now I'm, we're trying to work out where we're trying to get some education along with it. Because when we talk about internships and the independent shop owner, we're finding that sometimes the independent shop owner pulls a student in and we we work with them. And then two years later, where are they going? They're going to the dealer. So how can we stop that from happening? So we're having active conversations right now of trying to get some, you know, professional training in there. So this week, way we can get them up to journeyman status and we can compete with what the dealers are doing because that's what we need to do as independents. We want to be stronger in numbers, right, than the dealers. Then we're going to look better, right? So how do we make that happen? We've got to make our program better, you know, so we, we get some certifications. We get these students certified in the areas they need to be certified to make the money that they need to make. So I know you want to take this national. And is your goal to take it national to help guide the rest of the industry as to the steps 
if you will, the pieces of the puzzle to actually go from incubation of an idea to funding or not into the relationships, into the actual students having two feet on the ground in independent shops? And should we consider in this episode to at least lay out the A, B, C, D, E, F of how this happens? Or are, are we waiting on you to design this up for us? It's our way of solving the, the problem with simplification, right? So what company is going to come here and see this simplification and then build upon that? I don't have the whereabouts to be doing this nationally. Quite frankly, I didn't even think it was going to get this big, okay? Jack and I talked about it years ago and we're like, okay, we think we have something here. And as time has evolved, we see the growth. We see our kids getting better. We see the need. I mean, the need is so, it's there. And the other thing that we see is nobody doing anything about it. Okay, so let us, in our remaining time, try to come up with a step-by-step approach. Jack, Ken, Sue, just jump in anytime. Let me just start this discussion because I great stuff in this episode, but let's put some action points here. So I'm a shop owner. Sue's a shop owner. She reached over the aisle to Jack. Jack says, wow, this is really cool. I love it. Love your passion. Come to my shop. And that dialogue starts. Stop me anytime I'm wrong. And Jack may kick you up to a, a coordinator. And if not, he may carry the ball but he knows that he wants his students to go out and get an internship. If a shop owner is very interested in this, don't hesitate to think that you're going to find grant money. If you want to do this, just decide to pay the young individual who wants to come in for 10 hours a week, two hours a day, however it gets worked out, and pay them. You may have a future employee. The thing is is that you're not paying them. Oh, we're not paying them. You are not paying them. Because they're an intern. Yeah. And the initial 10 hours has to do with what Jack is teaching in the classroom. So what we're actually doing in that those 10 hours is we're checking to see if Jack's doing, it's teaching the right things in our industry, right? If the shop owner looks at the student in those 10 hours to say, does this student belong in this career path? And it gives that student 10 hours to say, is this the right career path for me? So it's a checkpoint, Charlie, all the way. And it costs nothing. The initial 10 hours is nothing. And so the money, as far as the hourly wage that Ken would help us obtain through grant money, is if I hired that person after high school? Not necessarily. It's very fluid, and it depends on the situation. So a couple of things I want to make some points on. If you're starting off small, you're not at a point where you're worrying about grant money. You're not there yet. So the grant money comes with time. So when you talk about where do I start, you start with one kid, with a model, with an idea. If you're starting off from square one, from a school's perspective, you have to have the permission form. You have to have the liability waiver for the student to go out to the shop that releases the shop or the site from any kind of liability. Sue and I put together a 10-hour model. So the 10 hours is spread over three weeks, two visits per week at two hours at a crack. And we have day one, two hours X, Y, and Z. Day two, two hours, X, Y, and Z. Day three, 
two hours, X, Y, and Z. The whole concept of the student starts off with everything from a tour to introductions to safety to things like that. And then each day, depending upon what the business does, say in a traditional shop, they could spend one day with a tech, one day with a service writer, one day in parts. They could be within a te- with a tech with the whole time, but one day they're doing maintenance points. Another day they're doing front-end inspection. Another day they're doing suspension. Another day. So each day they're seeing something a little bit different. That 10 hours is giving that shop the opportunity, whether it's the owner, whether it's the technician that they're partnered with, to look at the skills and abilities that that student has and to see, is this student someone that we want to continue to put more time in past the 10 hours? Sometimes it's not. We've had shops that come back and say, you know what, nice kid, but it's not going to work out. And I've also had shops come and talk to me and say, you know, when we lose that 10 hours or the student doesn't work out, they feel like they've gained nothing. Well, that's not necessarily true either. A lot of times, or not a lot of times, the students are part of the community. Those students, whether they continue out of the business or not, oftentimes become customers. They now know how your business runs. They are comfortable in your shop and your environment, and they may become customers in the future. And it's also part of community awareness. I didn't bring, but we have stickers that have that all of our internship sites get. It goes on the shop door, and it says, Lake County Tech Campus Students, intern here. That's a huge community awareness piece. That's a great conversation piece for customers to notice when they come through the door. Tell me about that sign, or tell me about that young man in there or that young lady in there that's wearing a shirt and on the back it says Tech Campus Intern. What is that person doing here? When the community finds out about the outreach program, they're learning more about the industry, they're more learning more about the school, they're learning more about the business and what local community member doesn't want to support a business that's supporting the local schools. So there is a win-win there. Sue and I have come up with other methods to continue to raise awareness. So we're doing our second raffle car, uh, our first this So we've had vehicles donated to the school. Uh, The first one needed a cylinder head and timing chains. The one we're working on now needed an engine and some body work. We basically get the car with no money in it. We get the parts donated. We get the tires donated. We get the paint repair materials donated. The car gets rebuilt. And then all of our internship sites that are hosting intern students, the car travels to. So for about six to eight weeks, that car will be going on a five-day cycle from Sue's shop to the next shop to the next shop, all over Lake County with big signs, balloons saying, win me for 10 bucks. $10 ticket to put money into our internship program to support our tool scholarship program. Last year, we had four winners. Each student won $2,000 worth of tools that they applied for through a tool scholarship program that was funded through our raffle car that traveled to our internship sites that advertised our program, our partnership, and what we're trying to do to better our school system, the education system, build the bridges from our school to the community, to the businesses, and uh, fix the problems in our industry. I love it, Jack. You have just You're very articulate and passionate about everything. I got way more than I asked for. I thank you so much for that. I think you probably inspired everyone to think of what could possibly be once this thing gets started. Now, let me put the final piece of the puzzle, Ken, in. And that would be, I guess, we're rocking and rolling and the program is working and we're looking for some kind of workforce development funds or grant writing. And then that's where an organization like yours comes in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that the goal here is, is if I'm a shop owner and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. I, I need people, right? You know, one of the first things I'm going to be doing is I'm thinking, great, there's this program out there called Give Me 10. I wonder if that model is going to work for me. So I want to learn more about that. 
at the same time, I'm a shop owner. I'm thinking, well, maybe I ought to develop a relationship with my local tech school. And then the third part of that is, you know, maybe I should familiarize myself with the local workforce development system and their youth programming, because that's where the funding is going to be. Um, and what I can certainly help, you know, with this initiative about is really identify where those youth programs are across the country. And Carmen, it might not be too hard to even produce a list today of those contacts. It's actually on a, on a website someplace that we could probably link this to. Um, so to, to eliminate that. Once you have all that, I think then it's it's that relationship piece and getting started. You know, I think Sue said it very well. There's a feeling that nobody's doing anything about this, right? And I think the goal here is start something simple, right? So if you got all those three pieces, then it's getting started. I loved where this went. I, I think we got a lot of great stuff out in the open. I think there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines not knowing which foot to lift and push first. It may have taken down a few barriers of entry just by talking this through. Find a Jack Wilson somewhere and be a Sue Dixon and find a Ken Mall. So I think the three of you uh, have very much summed up what Give Me 10 is about. So many local marketplaces have business development groups, independent networking groups. Uh, I'm involved in one, and I can't wait Thursday morning to go tell the world here in Buffalo that I know we're doing internships. Trust me, I know there's a lot of shops doing it, but it's not yet been so organized. I think it's more individualized than anything, and this would be maybe a neat way to put it under an umbrella. And if I can speak to that just for a minute from my experience before Sue. So you mentioned that I have been here, I've been here at the Tech Campus 17 years, and Sue and I have been partnered for about five and a half. And up until I met Sue, my internships were, it was just one here, one there. You'd set one up for one kid, and then it just died. We just couldn't get any momentum. We couldn't get any any steam to build up where we could push forward, where you start building one on top of another. And it really was Sue's networking. When she came in, she brought a group essentially with her. And that group shared the same vision that she did. And from that, that group continues to network. And that's kind of a piece, I think, Sue, that was kind of left out. Not You mentioned it a little bit, but that group it, within the county is building as well. So I don't want to speak for her, but their independent shops run a group where they get together on a quarterly basis or have you, and they talk about their struggles as independent shop owners. Instead of working against each other, let's come together and let's help each other with anything from sourcing uh, uniforms to tools and equipment repairs. And hey, I got this problem nightmare car and I can't figure it out. So you can lean on each other to help support each other. And her bringing that group to the table with her has made a ton of difference as well. Part of it is, is, is being willing to continue to build that collaboration from one shop to another to another. When we have new businesses that want to come in, oftentimes I'll call Sue and say, hey, would you mind talking to them? Because you can, I can speak to it from the education side, but I need you to speak to it from the industry side. I need you to tell them from one shop owner to the next what the pluses here are, what the gains here are of partnering in a program like ours. So you really do need that kind of that whole strong united front. The other piece I want to put in there is that we talked about grants and how the grants come from workforce and your state and federal dollars. Don't forget that your CTE programs, they are funded by Perkins grants and Perkins are national grants. 
uh, there is money in those Perkins grants for this as well. So last year we had a $40,000 paid internship grant that my school was able to acquire. We being county CTE school, we actually have we have a full-time grant writer in this building, and that person's job is to take in the CTE money and Perkins money for the county, and they, they distribute it out to all of the different high schools within the county. We were holding on to that $40,000 grant, and then we actually were reimbursing. When I say we, the business office, not me personally, but my school was in charge of distributing that money. From that, we now have a personal donor that is going to match that $40,000 grant starting next year. So we didn't have that money this year, but now we have a person, much like people will do scholarships in memory of certain people that are willing to donate you know, large amounts of money, and there's people out there that are willing to do it. So we have a foundation, and it's starting next year, that's going to be funding our internships starting next year, and they're matching that 40000 Thanks, Jack, for bringing up Perkins, and I think that's a, a cool thing for every shop owner out there to know that when you're sitting talking to anyone in education, be it high school or college, to be able to just drop that, well, maybe you can get some Perkins uh, money. And I think that would help them realize that you know a little bit about how this thing can work. So I'm going to give you the last word. And thanks for being here, bringing the team here. Well, Carmine, you know, thank you so much for having us. The program wouldn't work if it wasn't for Jack and if it wasn't for workforce development. And I really look at everything that we're doing. It's awesome. It makes my day better because I know I'm giving back to my industry. And I would hope to see that it grows and we can get this, you know, rocking and rolling somewhere else. If we can help somebody else out, which we're trying to do. But it really does take a dedicated person on all ends to make it work and have it be fun because Jack and I try to make it as fun as we can. We laugh a lot. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you so much for being here and giving us an update and motivating us to help uh, reduce the, uh, the shortage of technicians. Sue Dixon, Klaus Tire and Auto, uh, Jack Wilson from uh, Lake County Tech, Grays Lake, uh, Illinois. Grays Lake, Illinois, yes. And Ken Mall from EDSI. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.